Goes from Spurs Cast, episode 530. My name is Paul Garcia, and I am the host of the Spurs Cast. Joining me for this episode is Project Spurs' founder, Michael DeLeon. Mike, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. I don't think many other people are doing so well after the rodeo road trip, but the good news is it's over. Yeah, I mean, that's really, I mean, I already actually have the title for this episode. It's called The, the Rodeo Road Trip is Finally Over. I mean, that's kind of where the Spurs are right now. You know, their worst rodeo, rodeo road trip in team history, one in seven. Obviously, you know, we're going to get into the stats and everything and, and, and what, we, what we saw, our observations about how they just got clobbered on the road. Uh, and now they do get to return to the, to the AT&T Center. However, Mike, before I begin uh, with this conversation regarding the Spurs, I do want to give a shout out here to um, San Antonio Magazine, a, a magazine here in San Antonio, uh, for, for, for naming Project Spurs uh, as part of their Best of the City 2019 Awards. Uh, they, they called us the best podcast for Spurs fans. So again, I do want to extend that, that, that thank you to San Antonio Magazine for recognizing us, for listening to the episodes. Um, and, you know, just all the guests that have come on, Mike, yourself, you know, all of our writers here at Project Spurs these last two seasons. Also, different guests that have come on from different networks and, and, and writers and things like that. And then also, even to the, to the listeners, those of you listening to the Spurs cast, thank you so much for listening. Obviously, if we didn't have your support, you know, this probably wouldn't be going. You know, we do know that y'all listen. You all, you know, t- talk to us about how you like the episodes, what you do, do like, what you don't like. And so we really, really thank you for that, for that support. And it shows in, in us, um, you know, getting that recognition from San Antonio Magazine. Did you want to add anything, Mike? Yeah, I mean, I, I just have to say again, thanks to everyone involved. I think um, I think it's really awesome for this to happen, especially because you took over. What has it been? A year or just like one? Yeah, season? it's basically been a, a season and a half now that I've been doing this. Yeah, yeah. So, so things kind of shifted order fast, and and we kind of had like a direction that uh, you want to take this, and I was uh, all about it. It seems like it's working. It seems like everybody likes, you know, that it's kind of. The middle of the road, it's not like heavily biased one way. And so I think that the listeners kind of like that. And obviously the editors from the magazine liked it as well. So again, just thanks a lot. It's been something that uh, a lot of people have been involved in over the years. So just uh, uh, again, thanks to everyone involved in go pick up a copy. Uh, I got one at Walmart and others. I posted there at CVS and um, we're also going to be having uh, a party pretty soon. So check out the website for more information on that. Yeah, so uh, thank you again to San Antonio Magazine. And Mike, that's also, actually, you know, I know I know they, they put me as like the host and stuff, but you're actually part of that award too just because of the fact that, that you are the, for those of you that listen to this episode every week, Mike's actually the guy who's, who does all the mixing, who does all the editing. You know, he's, he's in there. He's doing all that work uh, behind the scenes for, f- to make these episodes happen each week. All right, Mike, let's go ahead and get into the, um, actually, to the Spurs cast episode 530. If you're on Twitter, please follow Mike at MDeLeon. Let's begin, Mike, with the rodeo road trip. So let's first begin by recapping the, the last three games that the Spurs played. Uh, and then we'll just kind of talk about the trip as a whole. So Friday night, the Spurs, you know, come back from the All-Star break. They get Derek White back, and they almost beat the Toronto Raptors, you know, one, one of the dominant teams out west, seeing Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green for a second time this season. The Spurs are up with uh, with 16 seconds left. DeMar DeRozan uh, brings the ball up. Kawhi does a patented Kawhi, you know, Spurs-type steal where, you know, when the Spurs were on that side, when he was wearing the Spurs mm-hmm. jersey, you know the fans cheered. I mean, the team was was winning ball games because he was able to do it for them. Now the Spurs were on the opposite end and got to feel the fate of what that looks like whenever Kawhi gets that late game steal, takes it in for a dunk or a layup, and he did that. So the Spurs, you know, fought hard, you know, and they almost beat Toronto. They lost one twenty one seventeen. Then. On Sunday, the Spurs were a nine-point favorite heading into the uh, lottery-bound New York Knicks. The Knicks are trying to lose games purposely to try to get the number one pick overall. 
uh, or increase their chances at doing that. However, that was not the case. Uh, the Spurs lost 130-118. Again, the New York Knicks put 130 points on the Spurs' defense. There was no Derek White. Uh, you know, he was active, but Pop basically thought, you know, the Spurs basically did, didn't need him. And plus it was a back-to-back. So they thought, you know, they basically thought that, you know, this is a, this is going to be a win. Even DeMar DeRozan said that after the game. But no, that wasn't the case. New York was playing so well, and the Spurs could not contain them that in the second half, Coach Pop had to go with the zone defense. And that's where you know that the Spurs are in trouble. That was something Matt Bonner mentioned. That was something Sean Elliott's mentioned on different broadcasts. That, you know, those are guys that have played for Pop. And, and they know that Pop's fundamental defense is man-to-man. And when he's going to zone, it means that he cannot figure out how to stop this opponent. And that was the case against the Knicks. So then the next night, the Spurs play a back-to-back on Monday in Brooklyn. Now, they were a, a, um, a an underdog in this game by two. But, you know, they basically got clobbered again. They lost 101-85. Um, Derek White did come back for this game, but Pop made a change to the starting lineup. He actually took out Rudy Gay and put in Davis Bertans. That didn't help at all. You know, they only put 85 points on the scoreboard. They had their worst shooting night by accuracy from three, shooting 17% from the floor, uh, 4 of 24. Um, and, you know, from the get-go, Pop went with that zone defense, and by the end of the night, Brooklyn had launched 53s on the Spurs' defense, and Brooklyn made 19 of those. Um, so, you know, I really talked about defense, <clears throat> defense. Uh, what have been your, your your thoughts on these last three games, Mike? Uh, it's, it's just crazy. It just seems like uh, two different teams – the team that we saw in Toronto was just like just totally different, and I guess a lot of that ha- had to do with I guess the emotions with Demar going back into Toronto and playing, you know, against his old team or whatever. But just that team, they and they put like thirty three in the second and thirty five in the third, and I was like I was used to seeing them put up those kind of points, and um, they were right there just to have like you said that heartbreaker of play. It's funny because so many people were like complaining about Demar. I was like, how many times did you see? Kawhi do that over the last like several years and it didn't matter who it was he always did it you can't really com- complain or say anything about the player just that's just what Kawhi does it's such a classic thing but then right as soon as it it they, they went from from Canada to like New York I don't know what happened there obviously Derek White being out of that Knicks game uh, didn't help at all I know he's on a minute restriction still but they've just been having trouble uh, with offense and I know that Pop wanted to start Dallas because he did so well against Toronto at 16 points, but they just have not been able to get, I think especially against Brooklyn, where the bench, they really counted the bench, especially guys like Marco and Patty, they're always there, it seems like, and they just couldn't get that same uh, production out of them, so it was Rudy that was doing it off the bench, and then when, obviously, Dallas is not doing, he had two points in 31 minutes, when he's not bringing that, so it kind of like minimizes that completely, so, I mean, we know they're not known for defense. We know that that's, that's where the struggles are. But then when they struggle on offense, it's almost like, what do you do there? That's when you're kind of just looking for answers when you go to the zone and things like that. Because I think that when you can't just stay with teams and shoot with teams and, and get wins that way, and you know the defense obviously is not in shape enough to to be able to stop guys like Damian Dotson, which is crazy. I can't believe I ever say that sentence in my life, <laughs> but it happened. And, uh, I mean, you, you have guys like D'Angelo Russell that, you know, play, has been playing really well. I mean, so it, it was just one of those things where it just seemed like something switched. And um, it's – it's uh, back-to-back story is hard, but, you know, that's just not an encouraging sign. But luckily, it's like he said, it is over and they can come back. But they still have a, a crazy schedule coming up that's not going to be used either. 
Yeah, and you know, now let's just talk a little bit about you. Kind of t- touched a lot of points there, but let's just talk a little bit about the um, overall rodeo road trip, the product, how it went. So they did go one in seven, like I mentioned earlier, which is their worst rodeo road trip ever since they've been, since they've started doing that, doing it in the early two thousands. Uh, in six of their eight games, they gave up hundred and twenty more, hundred and twenty or more points to the opponent. They were down by double digits in seven of those eight games. The only one they came back to win was that Memphis game where they fell behind by thirteen. They also fell behind by 20 in five of the eight games. I mean, they were just, like I said, clobbered. They were just getting clobbered night after night in these games on the road. And it wasn't just their defense. Obviously, we know the defense is bad. They were 30th during the road trip, uh, giving up 120.8 points per 100. But it was the offense, too. They were 23rd on offense during this time. And, you know, I just wrote my 60-game piece, the evaluation, and they were, you know, they're still a top-10 offense overall. But, I mean, even th- at this moment right now, they were really struggling. And you saw that, like you mentioned, you know, 101 should be enough now to beat the Nets on Monday, but they could, they could only put 85 points on the scoreboard. And, and it was a move that you thought would help the offense with bird tans and star lineup. And that wasn't the case. Uh, did you have any, any other comments you wanted to add about the radio road trip? No, it's just that I, I couldn't have criticized. I, I thought when I looked at it, I went four and four and I was telling people, okay, I know y'all are going to hate me saying this, that they're going to go four and four, but that's what I saw. But I don't think I would have ever guessed one and seven. I knew those, there was some tough games on there, but I felt like there were some winnable ones. For sure, the Knicks and Nets, I thought at least they'd win one of those, you know, uh, Grizzlies for sure, and some of these other ones. But, uh, yeah, 1-7 is like, I can't, yeah, I think you said that's like the worst road road trip yeah. they've, ever, they've ever had. I can't remember anything being so bad before. Yeah, and you know, and like like you said, that that Knicks game is inexcusable to lose that game. You know, and and then you know, of course, Derek White was out, but that's not you know that's you still have an All Star on the court. You have Lamarcus Aldridge. You still have a guy who's close to All Star potential, with Demar Derozan. You know, you have everyone else there. You cannot say that you can't beat the Knicks without Derek White. I mean, it's just that was just a bad performance. And they and honestly, they almost went zero and eight because they barely beat the Grizzlies. They barely yeah. beat the Grizzlies by one point. If we go back and remember before the All Star break, so. Obviously, it's over, like we, like we just said a few a few moments ago, and now they go back home, and they have the majority of their games now at home to end the year. But still, I mean, if, they've lost to some bad teams here at, in the AT&T Center, too, so it's not like, you know, home's going to be just going to change things overnight. It's not it's, you know, it's not like a magic wand or anything. All right, Mike, let's go ahead and get into, um, you know, the thing that basically has been the Spurs' is, um, you know, one weakness all year, and that's defense. Uh, you know, it's looked at its worst right now here on the rodeo road trip. It looks like that defense we saw from November to like early December when they were really just getting, uh, you know, beaten by teams by, by 20, 30 points a night like we were seeing lately. Uh, so so right now defensively, this is per NBA.com. Um, they're 23rd on defense overall. 109.6 points per 100 is what they're holding their opponent to. Uh, the only other playoff team out west that's in that in the bottom ten is Houston. So Houston's at twenty second. So so it's just the Spurs and Houston are playing terrible defense and still yet holding on to a playoff seed. Uh, one thing that's really been a, an issue for them during the road trip specifically is fast break points, transition defense. You know, overall in the year they're twenty fourth in, in allowing fast break points to the opponent, giving up fourteen point nine. However, during the rodeo road trip, they were twenty eighth, giving up twenty one fast break points. So that's basically uh, seven more points that they're giving up here on, on during the rodeo road trip. Um, you know, what do you think that that attributes to? Is is it just like those athletic teams? Somebody like the Kings comes to mind. Somebody like the Warriors are just getting up and down, or is it just communication and and not enough consistency without Derek White out there? I mean, I, I really think it's been a mix of everything because I, I have seen some plays where it just seems like. Things are breaking down, or, or you know, some of the choices they've, some of the players have made, like uh, in their own matchups, they're just not making uh, the the reads quick enough. But then communication, it, it's kind of the same thing. I think I saw it. Uh, it must have been a few games back where I saw there was one game, and uh, Rudy Gay was out there, and I think 
it was both uh, Marcus and tomorrow. I think it was against the Warriors, and, and they lost that game. But I saw him out there like communicating and kind of like barking out orders. And it was something I liked to see, but then I haven't seen that as much. And I don't know if he feels as comfortable when the other guys are out there, um, you know, being that kind of leader. But I think that's something that they kind of need right now. And then Derek White being out just just uh, definitely hurt. And I think everybody saw now exactly how much of a you know first how much growth. Uh, he's gone. Uh, he's he's done in a year, but also how much he's meant to his team, especially because they lost so much in defense. We've talked about it already with injury, with a trade, with the free agency, and everything else. And he's been kind of like their top wing defender um, this year because of that. And losing him, it kind of just you, you don't know where to look for answers. I mean, you kept turn to someone like Dante Cunningham, but he's not getting a ton of minutes, and so it's kind of like perhaps just having to like find something and. I, that all together just just added up to kind of a mess defensively uh, throughout this road trip. Yeah, and two words you mentioned there that I, I really want to key in on is is read and and communication. And read in the matter of you know figuring even if even if it's not your your guy you know when when, the, when your team misses a shot or they score and, and somebody starts running up the court you got to just make that read it's pick up somebody you know that's open there's been a lot of plays with the Spurs if you like scored a bucket and then the next team the next thing you know is like two seconds later the opponent's running down the court and like somebody's throwing like an outlet pass and they're, and they're making a bu- bucket off that type of read so again it's that read it's it's that communication also where you know talk to talk to your teammates you know get you know get this guy get that guy you know you know talk to each other and that's something that you're just not seeing here especially with those um those fast break points they're giving up. And I think that, I don't know if it was pop or one of the players, there was a few games ago uh, where there was a quote from, from someone like that, where about just talking about, you know, knowing when to pick up the, to pick up somebody when, you know, just when they're, when they're out in transition, uh, that that's a key thing for this team that they're struggling with right now. And you see it, I mean, giving up 21 fast break points a night is just, you know, it's going to dig you in a hole for a team that plays a slower pace, a team that shoots mainly mid range shots and doesn't really get the, the, the points from the three point line or the free throw line. Um, another part that I want to talk about defensively is the zone defensive scheme that we've been seeing now. We've seen it for about a game and a half. And like I mentioned, I go back to those those two players that have played for Pop, Matt Bonner and Sean Elliott. They've talked about how when Pop goes to a zone, it's because, you know, he, he's he's just struggling to figure out the, for, figure out that other offense. He's You know, sometimes he might use it as a scheme for like a quarter, like five or, or two to five minutes. But when he's doing it for an entire game, this shows that, yeah, he's just trying to figure out just a basic defensive concept. You know, just get everybody in the right place. May, try, try to move around, you know, try, try to shrink the floor as much as possible uh, wherever the ball's at. And it didn't work because obviously you see Brooklyn. You know, even though Brooklyn scored one on one, they got fifty threes, and against a really good three point shooting team, they're just gonna, they're gonna, they're just gonna, you know, basically have have their way against the Spurs' defense. I think that it's very concerning to me, just in my opinion, that Rudy and Derek White were both healthy, and Pop didn't start Rudy, where he 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 yeah. went away from that man to man defense. And I, you know, all season long, I've I've been on that on that on that. I guess you could say bandwagon of saying. You know, if Rudy and Derek are, are healthy, they can play, you know, league average to about 20th uh, defense because obviously, you know, look at the stats. They're their two best defenders. I've mentioned how Rudy's kind of like their Draymond Green where he can switch, you know, at the four and, and just, you know, help out, ease that pain uh, of letting guys penetrate. And Derek's obviously, like you said, he's their best perimeter defender that's healthy right now with DeJounte out. So he can make that. He can he can guard anyone right now out of the wing and, and make those switches and reads and, and try to limit penetration, even with weak defenders next to him in Bryn Forbes and DeRozan. But for Pop, 
to have those two guys healthy against the Nets here and, and not even use them, not even use that scheme, that man-to-man scheme, and just go totally away from it, it does concern me that if he comes out on, on Wednesday against the Pistons with that same type of approach of more zone defense, maybe Rudy coming off the bench, I really feel that maybe Pop has too has given up on his normal man-to-man scheme, especially with those two guys when they're healthy. That's really concerning for me. What, what do you think? No, for sure. And I, I think it kind of disrupts some things. That, I mean, and I know a lot of people are big fans of, of Java starting and everything, but I feel like it takes away from that second unit because with with him there along with Marco and Patty, I mean, it seems like they that bench is always consistent and they always contribute. I feel like kind of it kind of just uh, disrupts what they have going and whatever chemistry they have going. And yeah, it's almost like he's kind of in that mode where it's like let's just throw everything as well and see kind of what sticks or what works for them. And the zone obviously did it, but yeah, I mean, I feel like their best chance. I know they're trying to bring. Derek uh, back, but he says he's wanted to reset, and it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know how long they're going to continue to keep him at like the 25-minute mark, but he's probably going to have to play more minutes in order for him to be a factor, because he, he played well against Kawhi, but then he was out of the game, you know, at some critical moments, so I don't know if they're going to have to rush him back, but when those two are on the floor, especially together, that's when I know at least, okay, so there's two guys that they can count on for defense, and so you know, not not using that what seems like your best strength on, on defense is definitely something that you know kind of has you concerned because it's it's aside from the fact that that's probably your best option, it kind of gives you the feeling that you know he's just not sure what to do, and I guess that's never really a a, a very good feeling to have. Yeah, I mean that's what that's what surprised me, man. Honestly, I can't even I can't remember going back to games where pops just from the get go against that, where he just said let's just do zone defense basically the majority of the game. I can't like I've seen him do it in stretches to try to do it more so for strategy or like Matt Bonner said, uh, whenever you know they just can't stop someone, but to do it for an entire game that was that was really really drastic in my opinion. And again, maybe he was just experimenting. Maybe he was just like, okay, let's see what happens here if we just try this zone defense for an entire game. And obviously, you know statistically it might have kind of you know looked pretty good where it's again they held him to 101 but again the fact that the nets launched 53s is not is not very good uh, a number to watch so again i'm really really watching this wednesday game against detroit you know does rudy start and does pop go away from his 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 defensive scheme of normal defensive man-to-man defense where you switch you try to switch as much as possible you take away the rim you take away the corner three give up the the mid the mid-range and give up the 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 um, above the break threes so we'll see if they go back to their normal approach uh, with Rudy, and if not, I mean, you, if if you really see them start again with the zone defense against Detroit, I they really feel like, yeah, I mean, they're they're really at a point now where they don't they don't you know they're really just trying to find anything like you said that sticks, anything that just works. So so that right now for defensively, you know, I, I really am a little bit more concerned than, than I you know than I was. When, you know, usually I had that excuse of oh well Derek's out and Rudy was out. You know, they were just never consistently there. But when you have both guys there healthy and pops on putting them on the floor together, I really feel like that is a, a major problem for the for the defense. Um, all right, Michael, our last uh, topic, let's go ahead and look at the, uh, what, you know, for now, because the Spurs are in eighth the night that you and I are recording this on, um, on Tuesday evening. I'm going to call this the playoff lottery watch because, you know, either way the Spurs, is, the ball can bounce on either side. They could, they could be a playoff team here in a few weeks, or they could just be a lottery team and miss the playoffs for the first time in over 20 um, uh, years. So let's go ahead and talk about first the uh, playoff watch. So right now, like I mentioned, they are eighth with a record of 33 and 29. Uh, right, behind, right, right ahead of them is the, the Clippers. They are thirty-four and twenty-eight and seventh, and then right behind them are the Kings at thirty-one and twenty-nine. Now, one thing in the Spurs' favor is that they do have one of the easier schedules to end the year. Uh, this is from Tankathon.com. Um, 
you know, the, if you look at just the Western Conference team, the Spurs have the eight. The um, let me see here. What is it? The sixth easiest schedule. Their their opponent winning percentage right now is at forty nine percent. The bad thing though is that the the Kings have an easier schedule than them. They have the third easiest schedule, the second easiest schedule, and then the Clippers have the fourth easiest schedule. Um, you know, the, the Lakers have a pretty tough schedule. They have the tw- the twelfth um, easiest, and then uh, who is like Minnesota? They're, they're way behind there too. So. So I really do right now, I do feel like it's going to come down to 7, 8, 9. It's going to come down to Spurs, Clippers, Kings in that order. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, honestly, the Clippers are, after what they did at the trade deadline, I feel like, I don't know if they're going to be able to sustain that spot at all. So I think they have a chance to, you know, even if if uh, the Kings were able to move up, that's only one game right there. I think that the Spurs would still manage to get into the to the 7th or 8th spot. And maybe even the Clippers come down a bit. So I guess we'll see. Just because I feel like right now the Kings are kind of the bigger threat or have have more of a chance uh, at the postseason than the Clippers do. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 crazy how everything changes. I mean, if you look at from six to nine, basically that's just a, just a handful of games. So uh, with like just over twenty or so games left, I mean, things can change quite a bit. Yeah, for sure. And you know, there, there there's a, there's a, there's an incentive for the Clippers to kind of just tank and, and end it or there's you know, there's a reason not to. So obviously, um I mean, one of the things that I when I was researching was that if they if they were just to tank and try to get the 14th pick, basically get the 9th seed, uh they get to keep their pick, so they get a lottery yeah. pick. However, if they do try to push for it and get in the playoffs, which I think there was a quote by Steve Ballmer, Ballmer. recently who said yeah. he wanted to, yeah, he wanted to get in the playoffs. I mean, this is the Clippers owner. Now, if they do that, then the then the pick fifteen through thirty goes to Boston. Yeah. So right now, I mean, they want as of as of Monday night, they they got a mm-hmm. victory. And like I said, they're seventh right now. And like I said, they have an easier schedule than the Spurs. So right now, you know, they kind of are in the driver's seat. I, I also look at, took apart, um, you know, how many home games and road games have left. So the Spurs and Clippers each have twelve home games left and eight road games. The Kings have eleven home, uh, eleven on the road. Now. I looked at the top 10 teams who they still got to face in terms of by record as of right now for both the West and East. The Spurs have the hardest schedule in this in this department. They have eight uh, top 10 teams left. They got the Thunder, the Nuggets twice, the Bucks, the Blazers, the Warriors, the Rockets, and the Celtics. The, the Clippers have seven of those teams left, and then the Kings have the easiest route. They only have six of those teams left. So, so like I said... Even though you know the Spurs do have an easier schedule, a very soft schedule, the fact that they lost to a team like the Knicks, who's below, who are below 500, you know that doesn't carry, guarantee two wins against the Hawks that the Spurs are going to play. That doesn't guarantee two wins against the Cavs, who the Spurs are still going to play coming up. And plus, like I mentioned, the Kings and Clippers do have an easier road to end the season than the Spurs do. Yeah, I mean you're right. I mean, and, and having games. I mean, I'll, Brooklyn. I can't really talk about them as as one of the. Uh, Worst teams in the in the East anymore, just because they're like an upstart team. They're doing a lot of six right now, but having that opportunity against the Knicks and then even Toronto with the, with the chance to win that, it felt like those were two games where they let slip that they could have really put themselves and maybe not secured themselves completely, but had a better chance in, in the seeding, with, especially with the, a few tough games coming up. Because now, you know, especially in the next three games, those are all you know kind of up in the air. Yeah, so so like when I say like the lottery watch, that's kind of where the Spurs, uh, you know, right now because they're in the eighth seed, they would be projected as of Tankathon to get the 18th pick. But you know, if they fall to ninth again, uh, that right away gives them the 14th pick most likely. So um, you know, and that 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 pick has a 2.4 percent chance of landing number four if it were to fall in the lottery. So right now, 
you know, we're still, you know, we're still a few weeks away from from the playoffs. But as of right now, the Spurs are it, it, we're in that mode again where we're having to watch, like just like last year, where you're, you're having to watch the standings nightly and see, you know, who's moving up, what are the what are the tiebreaker scenarios. And again, I really feel like the Lakers have a tough road to end the year, so I really don't think they're going to get in there. Uh, the who else? Minnesota's playing well, but they have a very hard schedule to end the year. Utah has the easiest schedule out west to end the year, so I feel like they're actually going to climb up. Uh, Houston has a pretty easy schedule as well. So, so it's going to get interesting here, um, you know, what happens. So I really feel like those three, those last three teams, whoever's going to get that ninth spot and miss the playoffs, it's either going to be the Spurs, the, the uh, Kings, or the Clippers. So, so we'll, it'll be interesting to watch uh, here as the season starts to wind down. Uh, our last topic, Mike, let's go ahead and preview the upcoming Spurs games. Um, you know, they're, now that they've been on the road, they're finally back home, so they're going to have three straight home games before they go, have to go back on the road. So Wednesday they play uh, here in San Antonio against the Detroit Pistons. The Pistons right now, only because they're in the East, they are a playoff team technically. They're yeah. seventh, only because you know with the losing record. Uh, the Pistons on the road, they are 11, 11 and seventeen. Offensively, they're twenty fourth on the road, and defensively, they're tenth. Uh, at home, the Spurs are twenty two and seven, very good. Seventh offensively and sixteenth defensively. Who do you have on Wednesday in San Antonio between the Spurs and Pistons? However, I should also note that the Spurs are a four and a half point favorite from Vegas. Yeah, I mean, this is one where it's like. I don't think you can take them too lightly just because they've played pretty well lately. Uh, the Pistons have. I think they've won their last three, and they got a, a pretty good win over the Pacers, who have done really well, even after losing Victor Oladipo. They were close in a, a game against the Celtics. It's one of those games where I think they might end up having to – I don't know if, if they'll sit Rudy, but it's going to be tough because they've got Blake and, and the Griffin and Drummond inside, and so what do you do? I mean, you can't put – you know. Uh, you got to go with Marcus and somebody else on those guys in there on the boards. They're just crazy. But I do think the Spurs will pull this one out. Uh, I don't think it'll be an easy one. I think if people look just by schedules, uh, they might be fooled a little bit by this one. But I think they pull out maybe just uh, you know probably within like six points or so. Okay, I'm with you. I'm I'm going with the Spurs as well in this one. Um, again, it'll be probably be a tough game. Uh, you know, I don't expect them to to get an easy win here against Detroit. And I'm basing this more so just on the fact that they do play well at home, considering how bad they've been playing on the road. You know, I'm kind of trying to take that out of my brain and not think about that. Just how, you know, what if they come out with the zone defense again? I really feel like, uh, well, against the Pistons, that might actually work just because they can't shoot. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so so that'll be something to watch. Um, I, I'm going to pick the Spurs like you, Mike, although I wouldn't be shocked if they lost. Um, the next game, Mike, is on Saturday. The Spurs host the Oklahoma City Thunder for the third time this season. The Thunder are 17-13 and 13 on the road. Seventh offensively on the road, and fourth on defense on the road. Uh, last time they played here in San Antonio, it went to overtime, so that was a really fun game. Uh, who do you have in this one on Saturday? Yeah, this is a tough one because I've actually been working on like this series on um, lineups of teams that teams that I guess people aren't paying enough uh, close enough attention to, and I think the Thunder are definitely one of those teams that are. I mean, they have two legitimate MVP uh, candidates in there with Paul George and Russ Westbrook. And um, they played really well. I mean, uh, Jeremy Grant's done really well for them. And Terrence Ferguson, uh, Dennis Shooter as well. I mean, they, they have a lot of scores. And at the pace that they play at, that, that kind of worries me, especially because if they have the kind of defensive lapses that they did against uh, you know the Nets and the Knicks, that's a team that will definitely make a pay for it and they can put points on them pretty quick. So I, I'm actually going with the, the Thunder in this one. I think that will be a, a tough matchup. Okay, I'm actually with you, Mike. I'm going with the Thunder again. I just feel like from what I've seen from the Spurs, I don't think that that's going to translate over in two, in two games, and, and they're going to be able to, to, to fix those issues on defense. And so I'm going to go ahead and take the Thunder as well. And just the fact, too, that 
San Antonio got got beat pretty badly against OKC. Well, they rested some of their guys on, on the road, but then even when OKC was here, the Spurs could barely uh, pull out a win against them in, in that overtime. Uh, the last game, Mike, that we're going to preview here is Monday. The Spurs play the Nuggets for the third time this season. Uh, Denver on the road is 15-14. Offensively, they're 13th on the road, and defensively, they're 15th on the road. Who do you have in this game uh, between the Spurs and Nuggets? There's no one. Where it's just, I, 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 think, I think the Nuggets are just a tough matchup to play at this point. I think if we had seen something different on the roadie road trip, I might be inclined to pick the Spurs, but the Nuggets are, I think they've won their last four. They've had some really big wins lately. I mean, they, they embarrassed the, the Clippers. I want to see how they do tonight against Thunder, and I think you can get more of a kind of a gauge where they're at. But, I mean, they've looked really good. They're getting everybody back. Isaiah Thomas is back. Um, I think Barton's back. And I, I think they only have one guy right now on the injury list, well, aside from um, the guy they drafted. I can't remember his name right now. But they, they, they're getting healthy at the right time, and they're really deep now. So uh, I see them winning that game. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, you know, it, had the Spurs played better, and, you know, I, I just had a better feel about how they're playing right now, I would have picked the Spurs because I feel like they played pretty, really well against Denver the first time they beat them here in San Antonio. But I really feel like right now, I mean, right now it's more so like I got to see it to believe it. I know the Spurs yeah. are good at home, but I actually got to see that just because of how bad that road trip was. And let, let me see them win a few games here at home before I, I start picking them against the Thunder, like elite teams like the Thunder and Nuggets. So, so for now, I'm taking Denver as well. Uh, and, and so we'll see what happens there. So, Mike, real quick, your update update on your record on the Spurs cast. You're nine and five in your picks, and um, I'm thirty seven and twenty. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, nine and five for you. Uh, thirty seven twenty for me. That Knicks game really <laughs> threw me off. So. Stevens still killing uh, me, though, I think. Right? I, I've lost that. The Knicks have thrown me off. The Bulls have thrown me off. The Suns have thrown me off. All those teams, those bad teams, have beaten oh, the Spurs. They've really messed up my my red <laughs> my record. All right, thanks, Mike, for joining me on Spurs Cast episode. Uh, 530 Spurs, ca- Spurs uh, cast listeners you can follow him on Twitter at MDeLeon a few closing remarks before we end this episode uh, continue to check Steven Anderson's analysis um, over on ProjectSpurs.com after each game on the Spurs prospect watch uh, Benjamin Bornstein who I had on last week uh, uh, previewed or profiled should I say 6'5 six, five, six, five guard from Washington here we go Mike tell me if I'd say this right Matisse Thibel Matisse Thibel or Matias Thibel uh, I'm not I sure have, Ben, ben finds all these guys. No, I we'll, we'll just Ben. I'm sure we'll correct us if we're wrong. Yeah. So, um, so again, he, he's the, he's the latest uh, prospect that Ben that Ben um, you know profiled, especially with the, with the tournament c- coming up here. You want to start yeah. getting ready for for those draft picks as as, as the June draft um, is getting closer. Uh, also, my 10 game evaluation on the Spurs Volume Six is out over on Project Spurs. Uh, Vicky Victoria Virial, she wrote her latest piece. It's called "With Tough Schedule Ahead, Patience Will Be Key As Spurs Look to Close Out Season, Securing Another Playoff Berth." Uh, leave us a rating review on iTunes if you're listening to, to it to it on there. And thank you again, Mike, for for mixing down this episode and producing it. Thank you, Spurs Cast listeners. Have a great day.